We are uh, continuing a series this week where we've been looking at a question each week from the book of Galatians, four questions. And I want to go ahead and just read uh, the question for this morning to you so you can hear it, and then we'll, um, we'll look at it a whole lot more. But it, it's verse 9 of chapter 4. It says, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to weak and miserable forces? When I was uh, 22 years old, I was a pastor in training. I was in seminary, which is sort of a graduate school for pastors. And I was also serving at a church as an assistant pastor. It was a historic, uh, it is a historic uh, uh, downtown church in Murfreesboro. And, but at the time, it was right on the square of Murfreesboro. I had a little office in a house that was next to the church. It actually had been a waiting room, but they put a desk in there for me. And so, boom, office for Jacob. And so that was my office. And one day I was sitting in my office, and this guy named Tommy, Tommy was the guy who cleaned the church, the janitor. Tommy came and stood in the, in the doorway of that office, and we started having a conversation. But it was just small talk, right? We weren't really talking about anything, and I kept waiting. Uh, it felt like we'd already reached that moment where the conversation should be over. Like, I have stuff to do, he has stuff to do. But he kept lingering and lingering. Uh, I didn't know who should be first to say, like, well, it's been nice talking to you. Uh, and it had to be me, which was awkward because he was standing and I was sitting. And, and so I said that, you know, and he stayed. And so finally I asked him, I said, Tommy, is there something that you need to tell me? And he said, yes. Um, he said, yes, but it's kind of weird. I'm like, oh, great. Um, what you need to know about Tommy is he was a brand new Christian. Uh, he had not grown up uh, in the church and, and, and he had this sort of radical conversion. So what I'm saying to you is that everything was new for Tommy. Like a bunch of the stuff that we've already done this morning would have been brand new for Tommy. So he said to me, yeah, I've got something to tell you. It's kind of weird. He said, when you were playing guitar last week, I played guitar in, in the church band. He said, while you were playing guitar, I looked and I saw, and then he started to kind of retreat from his statement. He tried to start a softening. He's like, I think I saw, I kind of saw. He was like, up above you, I saw Rachel. That's my wife. And he said, and Rachel was pregnant. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) He said, I don't even know what a vision is. I'm not saying I saw a vision. Like he started taking the whole thing, the whole thing back. And I said, thank you, Tommy. That's so cool that you told me that. Um, (laughs) It's awesome. I didn't know what to do with it, you know. It's like, that's so cool. Um, I said, Rachel and I want to have kids someday. Maybe God was kind of showing you a picture of something that that is yet to come. And. And he still stayed in the doorway. So we're just sitting there, and there was this question, a weird question that started rising up in me. And since it was already totally weird, uh, I asked it. I said, well, Tommy, did God tell you when? And he said, yes. He said, May 22nd. I was like, okay, Tommy, May 22nd. Thank you. Is it, you know, are we done now? <laughs> And he stayed. And so I actually pulled, I had a calendar, we had paper calendars back then. And I flipped, this was December, I flipped to the next year. And I, with a magic marker with Tommy, I circled May 22nd on the calendar. And I said, Tommy, I'm, I'm new to this game too, man. I don't know how all this works, but I'm pretty sure that's five months away. So like, if we were going to have a baby on May the 22nd, uh, I think Rachel would already be pregnant. And he, he said, I know. And then five months later, 
I woke up to Rachel. Her face was about two inches from mine. And her eyes, she has these beautiful green eyes. They were doing something I've never seen before or since. And it was like the green part in her eyes was moving. It was like it, they were, it was alive. It was like dancing in front of my eyes. And we stared, I stared at her for half a, a moment. And she said this phrase. She said, I'm pregnant. And it was May 22nd. I've never shared that before in a sermon um, before today. And I always thought it was just so crazy But I wanted to tell you today that the reason I tell that story is because I believe that God does some things that are so crazy we can't explain them. That God has the power to do things that can't be done until God does them. Like I believe in miracles. I believe God can make a way where before there was never a way. I believe God can circle a day on your calendar. Um, I'm not saying that's today. But it may be for somebody. I, I trembled to tell you something so crazy like that. Like I emailed the whole st- the staff about it and I hashed it over with Rachel because I don't know how Tommy the janitor heard something from God so specific and personal to my life. I don't have an explanation for that. It's, it's never happened to me, I, you know. But for me, on that day, God went from being something that was far away and universal and cosmic to being a specific personal God who cared enough to speak into my life. What I'm saying is that outside of the miraculous May 22nd part, this may be even a more of a crazy thing to say. I believe that God knows me. And, and that, uh, that I know God, that we're interacting together and experiencing each other. I'm not putting myself on the same level as God. God is the chief actor in all of time and space. And yet I am interacting with God. And so we read about, like we did last month, about Joshua or Abraham or Mary. And God's talking to them and they're listening and they're confused. And God's saying something's coming in the future. And they're like, when in the future? And how is that going to happen? And I hear stories like that. I don't know if you, want, if you do and you wonder, could God do that with me? And the answer is yes. It really is. The the writings, the letters that become the bedrock for the Christian church, what we are today, were mainly written by a guy named Paul. His writings comprise most of the New Testament, what we know about Jesus and the early church. And he says things like he says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God. It's not now that you're a minion in the billion-person army that God has created or now that you're one speck on a tiny canvas that God's been painting for thousands and thousands of years, but now that you know God, now that you know God and are known by God. What I'm saying is that God knows your hopes. God knows the disappointments you brought in this morning. God knows your struggles. I'm crazy enough to believe God knows your calendar. So this is Galatians chapter four, verse nine. It holds our third question, but you have to get this part first. You can know God. If you don't this this morning already know God, you can know God. And you can be known by God. They're both really good (laughs) to know God and be known by God. So the May 22nd baby was born in February, that's how it works. You kind of got to get yourself around the calendar there. Get all the way over. She was born in February. 
Her birthday is this week. She'll be 15. Her name is Mary, and she means everything to me. And when she was born, I was still in school. I was commuting two hours a day, working a job. And so most mornings during the week uh, and Sunday, I would get up before she had been awoken. And I would come home after she had already been put to bed. And so I devised a covert plan. And that is something that uh, was a rule. It was breaking a rule in my house, which is you're supposed to let babies that are asleep stay asleep. Okay? It's like dogs. Sleeping. There's the line, right? Let sleeping dogs lie. Maybe different than that. I don't know. I'm, I'm working it out in front of you right now, which is uncomfortable for both of us. Um, but I would go into her nursery and I would wake Mary up. And this is how I'd wake her up. I'd lean over a crib and I would say her name over and over. Mary, 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 Mary. Until her eyes opened. You see, I wanted Mary to know the way that her name sounded from my voice. I wanted her to know me. Fifteen years later, what I know more than that is I wanted to be known by her. This big dad with all his important business going around all day. And I wanted that tiny thing to know me. That's called relationship. And the thing that God is inviting us into is not much different. We would think that big God who's out there wants to know you and to be known by you. God, uh, Paul begins his sentence in Galatians 4, but now, but now that you know God. And so but now means something has happened before that will then impact everything that comes after So what I'm saying is a but now sentence, before that comes something that sounds like this, in the past, or I used to, or formally, you know, in the past I did this, but now, I used to feel this, but now, Paul says, formerly, when you did not know God, let me try that again, I think it's more like this, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. What Paul's saying is formerly, Before we knew God, we were slaves to people and things that aren't worthy of being a God. What are those things? Oh my goodness, it can be anything. It can be uh, good things like a career or raising a child or trying to get everything right. Or it could be something that's not so good like a a sinful behavior or, or an unhealthy relationship. Anything you make a God that isn't God is a false God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to all nature of things. But now... That's what Paul's trying to get us to. But now, now you know God. It's as if he's still amazed by it. I want to walk through that verse just kind of phrase by phrase. But now we know means that something has happened in the past that impacts everything that comes in the future. But now that you know God, it's as if Paul is inviting us into this crazy mystery, miracle thing that in all the world, in all the cosmos, this God uh, can be known by us and, and that we can be known by God. He puts both of them side by side. You know God, or rather, are known by God. Paul's still amazed by those two together. And then he asked the question, how is it? We're getting to our question, okay? How is it? We've talked about already in Galatians that Paul seems to have a tone, right? We've asked even the first couple weeks, is Paul mad? Is he just really serious about this? Uh, There's a really cool verse in verse 20, just a little bit past this, where Paul says, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, Paul knows he has a tone. He knows he's writing with a tood, right? 
He's, he can't believe it. How is it that you're turning back? You kind of have to hear it all together, don't you? But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back? How is it that you're turning back to what he calls those weak and miserable forces? I don't have to tell you what those are. You've already felt them coming against your very heart this morning, haven't you? Weak and miserable forces that make you want to turn back, that make you want to go back to that thing or hold on to that thing. When I think about how to answer that question, I I think we might all answer it the same way, right? The question being, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Here's my answer to that question. You want to hear it? I don't know. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? I don't know. I'm a goober. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I have experienced the power of God. I've experienced things that seem like miracles. I've experienced things that I can't explain outside of God's power, but I get a few days down the line and I'm turning back. How is it, Jacob, that you do that? I don't know. That's actually a scriptural understanding of this mystery that we're in. Paul lays it out in Romans chapter 7 precisely the same feeling he says i do not understand what i do paul why are you doing this great i don't know i do not understand what i do for what i want to do i do not do but what i hate i do can anybody relate to that it's like yeah that's me that's me today what i want to do i'm not doing it's sunday i was like i'm gonna be nice to everybody didn't even get in the parking lot Here's what I want you to see. Even if you feel that way, even if you feel yourself starting to turn back to weak and miserable forces, or when you feel yourself turning back to weak and miserable forces, that does not mean that you don't know God. And it doesn't mean that you're not known by God. Hang in there. What does it mean? It means we are still as desperate for Jesus today as when we started. We're still, we're as, as in as the same amount of need for Jesus as we were when we first met him. Paul's conclusions of that Romans 7 verse, remember he says, I can't do anything right. The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Here's here's where he gets to. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Listen to his answer. He's in that deep, dark place. What a wretched man I am. And yet he still says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If anybody was an expert, it was Paul, and he's simply saying, I still need Jesus as desperately today as when I started. Jesus is still there to deliver us. Galatians teaches us some really powerful truths. I hope you'll open your heart to hearing them this morning. There are things that hold us back that don't have to hold us back. They are, the things that hold us back, they're weak and miserable. What if you begin looking at them that way, those things? They're weak and miserable in light of or in comparison to your strong God. Which means you don't have to turn back to alcohol. You don't have to yell just because your mom always yelled. You don't have to go back to pornography just because that's been your fallback for decades. No. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Remember the start of this? We believe God can do anything. And he knows me. Both of those are really cool. 
We believe God can do anything and he knows me. A good preacher would just stop right here. One that knew better. Some of those things I listed, those seem like, those seem like very intimate details. Well, God knows every intimate detail of your life. These things that, that hold us back, they don't have to hold us back. There are things that we're doing that we don't have to do. That's what I've heard in the questions from Galatians. Are you trying to please everybody? You don't have to. Are you trying to finish on your own? You don't have to. Are you, tr- are you saying yes to everything? You're just like this, yes, yes. You don't have to. There's some things that you're doing that now as you live into the gospel, the good news, you don't have to do them anymore because you're known by God. So your identity isn't, doesn't come from pleasing people. Your identity doesn't come from being the best that gets everything done, so you don't have to finish on your own. God's freeing us in Galatians. There are things we're holding on to that we don't have to hold on to. Some of us have some big-time grudges, don't we? Some of us have some big-time resentment. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. I decided this week, because I'm not really good at it, I'm not here to give you super practical advice on like how to get rid of resentment. I don't have three steps of, to tell you how to let go of a grudge. Maybe in another day, right now, I feel like I kind of got a tood. I'm feeling serious about this. And so today, I'm asking you to turn to God to free you. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't turn back to weak and miserable forces. Turn to Jesus. He wants to set you free. It's our tendency, right, to turn back, to look back. I have a group of friends, just a few buddies. We've been friends our whole lives. Uh, we get together now that we're adults, maybe a couple times a year. And it seems like every time we get together, we'll be standing around a campfire, bonfire, or we've caught something on fire. And, um, and as we uh, stand around the fire, we do this thing that old buddies do. We start telling tales. You know what I'm talking about? We start hearkening back to days gone by. And we were so clever back then and rebellious and, and funny. And we start telling all these stories, and it's just hilarious. You, you wouldn't even be able to stand it if you were there. <laughs> and it's sort of fun. I'll join in a tale or two. But then there's this thing that kind of rises up in me, and I sort of become sort of the wet blanket, you know, in this situation because I start thinking back, and I, and I start thinking, uh... I don't remember it quite like that. I remember you were miserable. You were broken. And I was pretty sad. I remember some nights that I would go to bed and I would feel empty inside. And then when I'd wake up in the morning thinking that I'd feel better, I still felt empty. Jeez, Jake, we're just hanging out around the bonfire. You know, I got into all that stuff. Because I don't want to go back. (laughs) That's why. I don't want to go back. My group of buddies, I don't know about yours. We've been through divorce, depression, disease, sick kids, lost jobs. I don't want to go back. I want to keep going where God is taking me. And so my tendency, like Paul's, is to turn back and, 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 it, and I turn into the weak and the miserable and it feels comforting a bit because I'm so familiar with it. But God has done a new work in me through the Holy Spirit that's saying I am a new creation 
And so weak and miserable doesn't have to be my comfortable clothes, but instead this power and this joy that I did not know outside of that. But now that I know God, or rather I'm known by God, I'm totally different. And so I don't have a lot of practical advice for you. I don't really know what to say, except Jesus Christ was crucified for us. Like, I don't really know what else there, you know, some of you guys are locking in with me for like the next 15 years or whatever. This is all I got. And it's the best thing you'll ever hear. And so I've been excited to, to share this one phrase with you uh, and then we'll be finished. But I've been so excited to share this with you. It's really simple. It's just this, trust Jesus with your life. Trust Jesus. Would you do that? Trust Jesus. Don't turn back to weak and miserable forces. Trust Jesus. That thing you're holding on to, let go of it. Give up, the, give up the game of being in control of everything and trying to do everything right. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus with your life today. We had a little girl here that was on th- here on Thursday night. Her dad told me that in hearing those words, trust Jesus, that she just began to weep. A little girl, like a 10-year-old girl. And she went and told her dad out in the lobby, she said, I trust Jesus, dad. Why am I crying? He just cried with her, right? Could you have the heart of a child this morning listening to a guy who has no more practical advice to you than trust Jesus with your life? <laughs> We're gonna sing. I asked Jenny uh, to help us sing this old song. Just let every word sit in your heart, okay? Let every word sit down in your heart as we sing it. If you want to, we've had people this morning coming. If you want to come forward and pray and kneel or cry or give your life to Jesus or just uh, bring a grudge, bring something you need to let go of, you can do that. It's a long song, right? We're going to sing for a while. Um, so don't, don't have that feeling like, oh gosh, they've sang two verses, so I can't. Just come. Trust Jesus for the length of the song. Let's sing. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust.